0: Rocio Hernandez was 12 years old the day she got jumped on her walk home from school.
1: They attacked me from behind, so it was about seven people. There were youth and adults, men and women. As one of them took hold of my backpack, the rest of them started attacking me. I got pushed on the floor. They punched me. They pulled my hair out. Some of them even bit me.
0: Eventually, a neighbor came out and started yelling.
1: I'm calling the police. Let her go. I ran a as fast as I could, and I never looked back. I ran all the way home. When I got home, my hair was just a mess. Like, I had gone through like a hurricane. I had blood coming out of my nose and out of my ears. Oh my God. One, One of my eyes was almost shut closed, and I still remember I walked in through the door, and my dad was just like, what happened to you?
0: It was something that sometimes happened in their neighborhood. Gangsters randomly beating up innocent people as part of an initiation ritual.
1: My dad just felt his knees because he he's an ex-gang member himself. He always taught me not to make the same mistakes he did, but the day he saw me bleeding and hurting, he was angry, very angry. He, he, he was thinking about doing the worst things to those, those people like, In
0: her life, in her family history, there was a way to deal with being a victim, not turn the other cheek, but more like turn the tables. And in that moment, Rocio was tempted. She didn't want to walk to school every day feeling like a victim.
1: I was feeling hurt. I didn't feel safe at school. I wanted revenge on the people that did this to me.
0: What do you do when someone hurts or screws you over? Do you retaliate? Turn the other cheek? You may hope for some powerful figure like a judge or your mother, your boss, to hand down justice and make things right. But that doesn't always happen. So what happens when there's no justice? Does it mean, like the protest chant, we get no peace? Carol Lloyd here with Like a Sponge, a podcast about the science of how kids learn and flourish. And today we're talking about this choice. What to do when bad things happen to us. And yeah, someone is to blame. What path do we choose? Rumination? Anger, resentment, revenge, violence even? All trying to even the scales. Or do you choose something else? Forgiveness. Sounds downright cheesy, right? Sounds high-minded, biblical even.
2: When they shall pray toward this place, Dear thou in heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive.
0: Or maybe something your grandmother might have preached to you. But a realistic response to the modern world? Hardly. So perhaps it isn't so surprising that Rocio wasn't thinking about forgiveness that night while she was hanging out with family and neighbors in the alley where she lived.
1: I still remember one evening, uh, there was people that were my age, 17-year-olds, and my dad, and everybody was just saying, that's not fair what they did to you. Like, we can go wait for them, and we can attack them and do exactly what they did to you.
0: Yeah, to get justice.
1: Right to feel like yeah, and you know it just yeah it just threw my dad into this angry spot. Like he was so angry, he's like, "I could run them over right now." I'll never forget when he said that. I could run them over right now. That's how upset I am about what they did to you.
0: What her father said scared her.
1: I said no, I don't want to do nothing about it. It's fine,
0: but it resonated too.
1: I still remember a week later at school, I was really angry. And I was, I knew that there was a choice that I had to make and that there was options. And for a long time, for weeks, like it lingered in my mind, like, should I do something? Even my middle school friends found out what happened. And they were just like, oh, like, you're dumb. You need to get some back. And physically, I looked every day in the mirror and I had that purple eye. I had those bruises. And even till this day, as I sit here, I have three scars on my face.
0: A few days later, the school had one of those assemblies in the auditorium where everyone sits there and learns how to be a better person. The presentation was about forgiveness.
1: We were sitting in the assembly. I was really upset. Just the whole idea of forgiveness and peace on the day that I was feeling that way. I just thought it was not something that I wanted to listen to. I just thought it was kind of a joke. I was like, I don't see what the point of forgiveness is. A man named
0: Azim Karisa started talking about his son, Tariq, a 22-year-old college student who delivered pizzas part-time.
3: It was the last delivery of the evening, and he was lured to a um, bogus address uh, in North Park. And uh, as he was about to leave, he was accosted by four youth gang members, and the 14-year-old fired one
0: round. A single bullet fired by a 14-year-old gang member killed Tariq. His father was devastated, grief-stricken, for a time suicidal. And then he did something most people would consider strange. He reached out to his son's murderer to forgive him. He reached out to the boy's family to ask if they would join him in forming an organization to help stop youth violence and teach peace. On the stage that day, Azeem Kamisa appeared with a grandfather of the boy who killed his son.
1: I remember, like, it was yesterday. They said, this man's grandson shot and killed this man's son. Then they hugged. It was quiet in the auditorium, and that was really the moment that kind of made me realize, like, wait, if these two men can forgive each other when the life of someone was taken, why can't I forgive somebody who hurt me? But I'm still here today. So at that moment, I realized, I think... I'm willing to forgive people.
0: Suddenly, something shifted in her, and she made a decision. There's actually a video of that assembly, and the camera keeps cutting to Rocio's face. And you can see it. This seventh-grade girl with long brown hair and this awestruck expression. And this moment, she says, changed the course of her life. After she graduated from college, Rocio sought out the organization that had given the presentation, the Tariq Kamisa Foundation, and she got a job there. Now she's one of their peace educators, working at middle schools in Southern California.
1: We teach a 10-week restorative workshop to middle school and high school students. And we we talk about compassion, forgiveness, resilience, and overall life skills for students to be problem solvers when things happen in their life that involve harm and violence. Rocio's story offers
0: undeniable evidence that forgiveness can change a life.
1: It literally
0: saved her from choosing a path of escalating violence and revenge. But you may be thinking, how does all this apply to my child? Unless your child faces violence in their everyday lives, Rocio's story may sound more like a fable than a relatable anecdote. Is forgiveness just a tool for the worst-case scenario? Hi, Robert. How are you? I'm doing well. How about you? So I called Robert Enright at his office at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he teaches educational psychology. He's like the godfather of forgiveness research.
3: I actually started pioneering the study of forgiveness in 1985. And now thousands of researchers have followed the lead because they see the great importance of forgiveness in people's lives.
0: And as one's supposed to do with scientists, I ask him to define his topic. Between you and me, this question typically doesn't yield scintillating answers. But Robert Enright was different.
3: Forgiveness is being good to those who aren't good to you. It is a moral virtue of struggling and making a conscious decision to be good to those who aren't good to you, and that actually makes forgiveness the most heroic moral virtue on the planet, more heroic than justice, kindness, patience, and even love for your own child. Why? It's easy to love your child when your child is snuggling toward you and being good to you. It's not easy being good to those who belittle you, oppress you, and spit on you.
0: A heroic response to those who spit on you. Whoa. It was like forgiveness was the OG of character virtues. Ancient, but still badass. But I still wasn't understanding where ordinary, non-heroic people fit in. Why would a parent want their child to learn forgiveness?
3: I think there's no parent on the planet who would not want their child to know forgiveness. Your child grows up with no sense of how to deal with the effects of injustice because it's never talked about. It's the lights off when it comes to the idea of forgiveness. Now your child, who's all grown up, is 35 years old. And let's say it's a woman, and her husband comes home and says, I am leaving you for another woman, goodbye. She is now going to have effects of the injustice that psychologists have been studying for decades. She could have post-traumatic stress. She could have anger that turns to rage that could turn to depression. How does she get rid of the effects? We as a society have no answer for that. She might take antidepressants, but that is covering symptoms. That's not a cure. How do you cure the human heart torn apart by injustice? There's really only one way I found. Learn how to forgive those who have crushed you and they won't win again. You can then stand strong by getting rid of these effects, which include low self-esteem, confusion, anger, resentment, even psychological depression, anxiety, self-doubts, and hopelessness. We've worked in many of the dark areas of the world with a lot of injustices, and people have gotten their lives back when they forgive.
0: And in that moment, I suddenly felt all the snubs and grudges, the simmering resentments operating in my mind. So what exactly was this cure, forgiveness? When I applied it to my own life, suddenly it sounded kind of pollyanna glossing over the reality that some people are jerks and resentments are absolutely valid. But Robert Enright's process of forgiveness has very little to do with glossing over these feelings.
3: First, you have to understand you've been treated unjustly, and that sometimes takes courage.
0: Then there's acknowledging how that's affected you.
3: You have to see that if you're angry or sad— You have to see if you're losing sleep, if you're losing energy. You have to see if your worldview is becoming so negative that you're starting to watch your back on everybody. And so we have this checklist of effects, anger and sadness and doubt and a crushed worldview.
0: Then comes the moment when you ask,
3: Given all of this pain you have, would you like to try something else? And a lot of times people are very motivated to forgive because of the pain.
0: Robert says forgiveness is not excusing or forgetting or reconciling.
3: And you don't abandon a quest for justice.
0: It's just the person deciding that they're ready to try something different. And only then begins the work of forgiveness, which starts with thinking, not feeling.
3: If I said, feel warm, compassionate feelings towards someone who's crushed you, you're not in control of that. If I say, think of a pink elephant in the room, you can do that. You are probably doing that now because I asked you, what injuries, what weaknesses, what crushings have happened to the one who hurt you? And so we want to see someone who's been stereotyped as evil, and we want to see that there's more to them than that.
0: And that's when you take what Robert calls the global perspective.
3: where We look at your shared humanity. You're both vulnerable. You're both going to die one day. If you cut, you bleed. If they cut, they bleed. You share a common humanity of being special, unique, and irreplaceable. Even though they've done this to you, you share something.
0: And this mental shift, he says, changes the emotions.
3: That's the beginning of compassion, where you're willing to see their suffering, which induces a little bit of empathy,
0: and only then, the door to forgiveness opens.
3: We say, are you willing to stand up to that pain, so you don't pass it to the one who hurt you, or to those who are vulnerable in your environment, and will take the pain if you give it to them, like your children?
2: Right, to where the so buck people stops
3: are with re- you it gets, the buck stops with you it's but see when you do that you get stronger mm. because as you stand in goodness so you don't give badness back to others the paradox is you become stronger
0: that doesn't mean putting yourself in proximity to someone who is violent or dangerous or likely to harm you again but it's in this openness to give good back to bad that researchers begin to see what Robert Enright calls the paradox of healing.
3: Which then enters the discovery phase, our final phase, where you find new meaning in your suffering. Hey, I'm I'm growing from this, I'm growing stronger. I understand people's pain better than I ever have.
0: If this sounds like an airy-fairy process, maybe the hard data will convince you. In study after study, as forgiveness goes up,
3: We see anxiety go down, anger go down, psychological depression go down in people.
0: If forgiveness as a cure for anger seems obvious, it's worth noting that forgiveness also has been shown to improve outcomes one might think are totally unrelated, like academics.
3: We have actually assessed in middle school students who are close to failing in their academic grades And we pick out students who especially have histories of injustice against them. And you know what happens to their academic achievement when they learn to forgive? It goes up.
0: The 12-week study found that students who went through the course on forgiveness raised their GPAs from almost failing to above average the following year. The control group's grades did not improve.
3: If you are a 13-year-old in middle school and you have a throbbing knee that day, you're going to miss the lesson because your knee is getting in the way of concentration. What if you have a broken heart and you have this lesson? You're going to miss it too. But what if we can bind up the heart? Now you have more time, focus, and energy to focus on your lessons.
0: When asked about what parents can do to instill forgiveness in their families, he says... Maybe
3: you're both watching a film, and one of the characters now starts messing up badly and hurting another. You can start talking about that and say, "You know, what what can that person do to recover well because it's probably not going to show up in the
0: film?" He says you can also model forgiveness in everyday conversations like this.
3: You know, I really had a hard time at work, and I think my boss was overbearing, and he was having a bad day, and he took it out on me. And I've decided to forgive him, and I think he blew it that day with me, but, you know, we all blow it. And I'm not going to let that interfere with my relationship with him or in my happiness. Practicing forgiveness with the 10-minute forgiveness talk once a week can help fortify people so that if then the huge injustices happen 10, 20, 30, 40 years later— They are equipped. I use the term becoming forgivingly fit.
0: Enright's seen how becoming forgivingly fit can help people when tragedy strikes.
3: I got calls when there was the tragedy at nickel mines in Pennsylvania, in the Amish community.
0: In 2006, a man walked into a school and...
3: Lined up little girls and shot them execution style.
0: The event drew a lot of attention, not just because of the tragedy, but because of how the community responded.
3: The Amish not only went to his funeral, they set up a scholarship fund for his children.
0: And Robert Enright kept getting questions from the media.
3: I would get this kind of question. The Amish are faking it, right? So I studied it. And they have forgiveness prayers regularly. They have forgiveness exercises in the family. They work on forgiveness. They didn't know what the tragedy would be, but you see they were ready for it. So there's already a model that exists in the United States, and it was really a glowing model that left the world rather stunned. It was a very genuine thing. Why? Because they worked on forgiveness before the tragedy. There is a poison in the world called resentment. And that poison can kill people. And there is an antidote to that poison, which is called forgiveness. And very few people know that. Mm. It's like you're having a cure for a bacterial infection and you have the antibiotic in your hand and no one's looking at it. And so I want parents to know that resentment can do a serious number on their children. And it might take 30 or 40 years for the resentment to work its rusting toxicity and really hurt the child. And there is a cure for that now called forgiveness. And I am desperate in getting this message out that that is a literal cure. Forgiveness is a cure for resentment that I can kill. Give them the medicine.
0: what you give to me Bad things are inevitable in life. People betray each other, injustice happens. So it makes sense to give your kid the tools to deal with this stuff. If forgiveness can keep us from sinking into the mire of long-term trauma, I want that for my kids. But there are also more immediate reasons to build your children's forgiveness muscles, to deal with the sticks and stones of childhood. Like bullies or siblings.
4: One is bossy? The older one like tells the little one what to do. The little one really wants his older brother's approval. They fight a lot. They com- compete over um, stuff, a lot of things.
0: Hey,), hey. <laughs> Hi Ojig, Carol. Hi Carol. Nice. We visit Ojig and Isaac at their cozy two-bedroom apartment in Albany, California, where they're raising their sons, Nishan, 10, and Jano, 5. The couple wanted to learn forgiveness practices because they worry about how their sons' squabbles now will affect their relationship in the future. Why do they fight usually? I don't know if it's like a power thing or if they really do want the Lego piece. The Lego piece. I assumed she's talking metaphorically. Then her sons tear into the room. Little Jono, dressed rather formally in all black, looks like a miniature conductor. Beefier Nishan, sports rough-and-tumble playwear, and a Dennis the Menace swagger. Do you and your brother ever get in a fight? We always do. That's Jono. So why do you and your brother fight? Because I want something from him. Because he's older, so he has cooler stuff. Yeah, he has cooler Legos. Not metaphorical. And then so what happens if you want to borrow something from him? We get in a big fight. Um, How do you guys get over it? I just call my mom or my dad. And did they fix it? Mm Mm-hmm. But Jono thinks his parents haven't tried to fix the big issue.
4: Jono, what did you say the other day? Didn't you tell me that you thought if you had... You wish you had all the stuff Nishan had. Yeah.
2: Because he has, like, cooler Legos and he, like, has cooler Lego weapons.
4: And if you had those, then?
0: We would be happy again. Nishan expressed equal outrage. And what do you guys fight usually? Like
4: let's say like who sits in one spot or something like that. And like um, if he wants to borrow one of my things or like he's in like my room and I don't want him to be in it. Right. I tell him not to and he's just like, I'll stay here. He just like pisses me off sometimes. In... And <laughs> you don't use that language by the way. Why does dad do it? So what
0: if is sitting there? What do you do?
4: I get mad.
2: Oh, because that's your spot.
4: Yeah. I see. I and see.
2: do you push him off? Yeah.
4: Forcefully. And then Jono will... Scream. Scream or yell or push him back.
0: These conflicts are such that Ojik feels like she needs to try some different tactics now to preserve the relationship later.
4: I think my fear is that the, this competitive spirit is going to get lodged in their psyche or their spirit and they're just always going to be envious or jealous of each other that they'll just be trying to one up and tit for tatting through the their life and so my fear is that they won't have this like substantive friendship as siblings
0: the boys' daily battles were wearing on their parents' nerves, so Ojig was motivated to try some of the forgiveness practices that Robert Enright had created for children.
4: This is exciting! I want to test it out because now this gives us a tool too. Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: For the next yeah, hope, few months, um, Ojig used the practices in everyday conversations, like this one, right. which she captured on her cell phone when Jano came home mad about something that had happened at school.
2: So Jano, what happened? How are you feeling right now? Um, angry. What are you angry about?
0: That's the first step. Acknowledge the feelings. But what happened? Then she helps him look at what happened and how it affected him.
2: They were laughing at my night moment that I created so, 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 so hard. You worked really hard to make mm-hmm. a helmet, and then when you wore it, what, what did they say? They are just laughing. And did you have time to cool off or cool down? mm Are you
0: ready to consider forgiving? She asked Jono the forgiveness question, which, by the way, doesn't have a right or wrong answer.
2: Not yet. And he's not not, not even ready yet for forgiving Ariana. And she was
4: not
0: making fair rules in the other game. In a parent-child conversation in my house, that might be the end of it. My child vents and says they're mad. I say, X is a good friend. I know you guys will make up someday. Which kind of runs roughshod over the teachable moment here. But Ojik shifts the conversation towards how forgiveness is a gift
2: Jono can give himself. So, you know, when you say that you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that what they did is okay. It's that you're ready to not feel angry towards them anymore. So it's up to you. And I understand you're still hurt and maybe you need a little bit more time. But it's
0: up to you. Then she talks about all the things he can think about that might change how he feels. Can you think of things
2: about um, whoever laughed that you like about those kids? I like about Ariana. She has cool stuff and all those other things, like costumes. And is she a nice person? Mm-hmm. And she's friendly? Mm-hmm. She's one of your good friends? Mm-hmm. Can you see the goodness in Ariana? Mm. Yeah. Does your heart feel different now? A little bit. Does it feel softer? And a little bit.
0: And that's it. Not all the way to forgiveness. No panacea, but just introducing the idea that forgiveness is there for the person who's been hurt, that there's a way to transcend all those nasty feelings. We'd hope to get a little clip of the boys working through one of the monster fights, but when I followed up with OJIG, she texted me back. Sorry, Carol. They aren't holding grudges, nor are they having intense fights. I'm so sorry. They still bicker, but it's not as bad. Was this the developmental leap to the rescue? Maybe. Kids will do that to you. They're hard to keep up with. But Ojik had another theory. I think being interviewed by you, she said, was a positive influence because it forced them to think critically about their interactions. She said Nishan was becoming especially good at diffusing conflict. I don't know that a single conversation about forgiveness can take the credit for the smoothing of a raging sibling rivalry. But having the idea alive in the family might have been like a teaspoon of active yeast that speeds up the rising of a dough, an ingredient that helps change the dynamic. That's another episode of Like a Sponge, Special thanks to Rocio Hernandez and the Tariq Camisa Foundation, Robert Enright and Susan Friedman. And thank you to The Working Group for a clip from their wonderful video, Forgiveness. Also, thank you to Ojig, Isaac, Nishan, and Little Jono, who will play us out of the episode on his tiny bluegrass fiddle.
2: Like a Sponge is produced by Carol Lloyd and me, Charity
4: Ferrera, for Great Schools. Thanks to the support of UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center and
0: the John Templeton Foundation. Sound editing and design by Christopher Ferrera. Special thanks to our managing editor, Jessica Kelman, and to our advisor on the science of character, Dr. Rich Lerner. He's the director of the Institute for Applied Research in Youth Development at Tufts University. Learn more about us at greatschools.org.
2: Good job that is such a nice sound wait can i take a picture of you playing um, sure yeah with we your just... black fancy clothes today
0: exactly i was like i gotta catch